0: It's time for Talking Pictures Trivia, a quick friendly reminder, if you don't respect the Mew, you may slip and fall.
1: Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends, and today's host, Nick, and with me is...
0: Tom.
1: And KJ. All right, great to have you back, as always. Additionally, joining us as a guest for this episode is...
2: Steve.
1: Thanks for joining us, Steve. Steve and KJ work together, or it may be more accurate to say they are part of the same lunch group in the office. During these lunches, important topics are discussed and debated, including if hot chocolate counts as a snack or how long someone else's sandwich can be in the fridge until it's free game. Steve conveniently likes movies. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz as these pivotal questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. Then once the fierce competition is over, we followed up with our famous movie rant, Where Anything Goes. KJ, tell us about today's movie.
0: Today, we are going back to 1995. While dealing with the Oklahoma City bombing, OJ Simpson was found not guilty and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum opens in Cleveland. During all this, Christopher Monger's movie, The Englishman Who Went Up a Hill But Came Down a Mountain, was released in theaters alongside the third Die Hard movie, With a Vengeance, Casper, The Bridges of Madison County, and Braveheart. In The Englishman Who Went Up a Hill But Came Down a Mountain, we follow a mound of dirt whose mountain status is in question. During World War I, England is surveying Wales, which leads two Englishmen to a Welsh town to assess if Fanangaro is indeed a mountain or a hill. The town is populated with some very distinct characters who all come together to keep their town's identity under Funingaro. I'd like to look at this movie as a modern day fairy tale and possibly compare it to older fairy tales or at least identify the parts of the movie that could be lifted directly from a fairy tale and see if it works as a modern day fairy tale. Nick, if you had one word to describe the Englishman who went up a hill but came down a mountain, what would it be? Cute, Tom. Traditional, Steve, whimsical. And my word would be charming. It's time for question one. How does the sergeant at the beginning of the film first feel about the Englishman measuring the mountain?
3: Locked in.
2: Locked in. Uh, Lock in as well. All right, Steve, what do you have? The sergeant, I I can see his face, his look of disdain. Um, is it, does he feel that they're daft?
3: All right, Tom. I'd say he's upset and he thinks that you can't measure a mountain. Like, how do you measure a mountain? He's he's incredulous, I guess would be the the best word. Nick. He's
1: not very happy about it.
0: All right. Points go to Tom and Steve. Yeah. He, he looked at them like they're ridiculous. Like (laughs) why would anybody spend time? measuring a mountain. like wh- Why? Why would you measure this mountain? Why did you drive all the way to our town to spend time to decide how tall the mountain is? And I kind of want to talk about how much of outsiders Hugh Grant, who plays Mr. Anson and Mr. Garrett are in this this Welsh town, right? These very proper British Englishmen in
3: this Welsh town. So my reading of the movie is that the the it, it's a movie about community and about how individuality is not something that structures a community, but comes out of a community. But the community sort of um, pre-exists the individual. And what you have with, and which is a very much a pre-modern idea, right? It's an idea that stands against modernity. And what you have with the, the two British folk uh, is the embodiment of modernity, which is also uh, taking on the form of an outsider right? They're, they're two outsiders. They're English. These people, these Welsh people don't like the English. And not only are the English coming to take from them their central narrative, which is we are at the first mountain in Wales, the very first mountain in Wales. They're also doing it at the, in the service of a war, which is killing a bunch of these Welsh people who don't, don't understand it at all. They don't know why they're in this damn war. Um, and they're doing it using empirical scientific methods, which... It's supposed to be dispassionate. Science is dispassionate, says Garrod to, to Anson. Um, but in fact, of course, it isn't dispassionate, right? It's still being done within the context, some kind of context. In this case, a traditional context. That is, our community is is the community of the mountain. We stood against the British, the Vikings, the, you know, what, what have you. Um, and the the empiricism and those kind of scientific methods, which are modern, are in the service of the Great War, which up to that point is the most modern of wars. Right, this is where you had death machines um, be created that, you know, you had to stand a hundred yards away from because they were so damn powerful. You know, this war began with French generals wearing white clubs because it made them look like they were part of Napoleon's army, and it ended in in the trenches. Right, it ended with mustard gas. And so the, the outsiders are not only outsiders to the community and, and humor comes out of that, those kind of misunderstandings, um, they're also representing modernity, which this community stands against.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that, Tom. Um, I also feel like the Englishmen uh, passed through some kind of barrier when they got to the, to the Welsh town. Um, you know, not, not only are they outsiders, but I don't think Hugh Grant knows that he's an outsider while he's there, right? He
3: seems immune to any of their mocking or. I mean, I, I would push back. I think he becomes enculturated, right? I, I don't know if that happens immediately. um, You know, I, I think that your kind of idea of, of borders is very important. It's also mentioned in the movie, right? That this is the border. And if you take away the mountain, it might as well be in England. We might as well, the, the border dissolves. And I think your, your concept of fairy tale is very important in terms of tradition because fairy tales are the narratives that a community tells that defines the community, right? In, in part, it's part of a, a larger narrative, I would say, but the idea of the fairy tale as something we tell, which is what the story is, right? It is a fairy tale that a, a grandfather is telling to a child. And at the end, that child is now telling it to, to us, right? You know, <laughs> broadcasting it out. Um, that fairy tale is a, a part of the larger way in which the the community survives. Qua community,
1: Garrett is the one who's really the fish out of water because he always is, speaks poorly or speaks down to not only the community but Wales itself. So I came from England and I'm in Wales, and it's almost like he's doing charity work by going into these little villages and measuring hills and mountains, whereas Anson. He never really uh, buys into that dialogue. And that's when I think he starts to become attracted to this quaint type community versus the hustle and bustle of where they came from. And we even find later that he had a very bad experience in the war. So this simpler lifestyle might be much more attractive to him versus the hustle and bustle of
2: Garrett who surveyed all these wonderful places at different times. I, I think from the question and that attitude from the sergeant, this is tantamount to walking into someone's home, okay, with a ruler and saying, I'm going to judge whether your curtains are any good or not. I mean, they clearly, you know, there's a line from Colmini, you know, when he, he says to any trained eye, that is a mountain. He says, I mean, measuring it's absurd. Why would you need to absur- to measure a a mountain. It's clearly a mountain. What, what, what came to my mind is you know going to the doctor with a child and say, my child has a fever. Well, you're from Wales. Let me take their temper. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling their head. They're warm. They have it. So they have that natural fight again. And, and of course I um, whoever pronounce his name, George Garrod. He is, is so condescending because there's actually a little, you know sort of glasses half full with anson saying oh this is a great little pub and Grod says yes i suppose for whales, you know with that big bushy mm-hmm. british exactly. yeah. wonderful mustache um uh which later when we see his vulnerability right laying drunk from gin in the bed and everything but um yes i think that's um that attitude from the sergeant's prevails and it's, it's all part of their community. And so the whole, the outsider coming in, I mean, it would be bad enough if someone from Wales came in and said, we're going to measure it, but certainly coming from, and there's actually an interesting thing also when they give their reason um, you know, uh, you know, just saying who they are. We're cartographers. We need to, and they, their attitude is, oh, that sounds really important. Like almost like you get paid for that to travel around and <laughs> measure mm-hmm. hills. It's absurd. They're all, everyone there is doing something that's needed. Are you the butcher? Are you the, uh, you know, are you the priest? Are you the bar? I mean, they're there for a reason. Everyone fills their, it's so superfluous during a war. <laughs> like to them, we're measuring hills, really? Or why don't you count the clouds? What you're doing doesn't <laughs> seem to make any important sense here. So anyway. Yeah.
1: as Steve, to that point, there was one line uh, where they said, he's explaining how they measure the mountains from other different mountains. And then the one
2: guy just says, well, who measured the first mountain? Yeah, they they do that in a couple of different ways, and my favorite one is when um, uh, Thomas Tope and Thomas Toop two click 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 <laughs> click. Mm-hmm. And then Williams the petroleum says, "Well, no wonder they got it wrong." <laughs> like, <laughs> now they're they're casting doubt and shame yeah. on their scientific method. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. The process. The process. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. yeah, and and yeah, the goat kind of says something like that in the, in the church. He says. Uh, you know who uh, who decided a thousand feet is a mountain and and below that is a hill, right? There's still the 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 idea of objectivity is being taken apart in this movie. Um, these these aren't people who really have a lot of of kind of patience for objectivity, right? They're they're concerned with like as you're saying, what is your role in the community? Then even people who are um, maybe not getting along, such as the Reverend and the GOAT, still are both community-minded. Right? And it's it's only the schoolmaster yes. who isn't, right? So even, even yes, even the internal battles within the community are like, you know, not not really um they're not external to the community, right? Once the community is threatened, we come together. Right. Right. Once the community's fine, you know, you, you can like bicker and and all, and all that stuff.
1: To add a little Flavor to that with the school teacher, the schoolmaster. There's that line where they're taking the sod from the field, and he was really outraged about it. And Johnny goes to him, something to the effect, You're talking like you're English, you know, when he was complaining about it. So it's interesting to see it on both sides. Yeah. And the, <laughs> the
3: reverend, when he, when the schoolmaster says you can't take the children, the reverend grabs him and he says, Um, you know you there's a lot to be desired, desired with your vocabulary and your community mindedness right you're not yes.
2: community minded it's um, because those relationships however they are that running theme of i don't yeah. want to have to tell everyone yeah. you're the reason we fail oh, yeah i mean that's <laughs> that that's was uh, great by the way yeah, <laughs> through the movie yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but he's
3: he's right Community comes first, individuals come second, right? Individuals come out of this community. And the God and Jones for, for all their differences have a, an extremely intelligent or maybe not intelligent
2: isn't the right word. They have an understanding of that. The thing about this objectivity and empiricism really comes up when um, Reverend Jones and Davies the school are basically arguing over what's a mountain. And Davies the school it comes out a little bit from him. And of course you remember, mm-hmm. he's the one that does not help. He's yeah, the one yeah. that lets out. And he says, well, in the Himalayas, this would not, which is something like a scientist with and, mm-hmm. and the reverend is beside himself. And he says, yeah. Oh, I thought you were an educated man. Yeah. <laughs> and I should think it'd be 5,000 feet mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. So that yeah. Is yeah exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: It's time for question two. Hi, price is right rules. So whoever gets closest without going over, what is the first estimate given of the mountain by Garrod after the first day of measuring in feet?
3: Locked in. Locked in? Do I have to convert it to anything else? Is
0: it... Nope, just straight feet. This is an English uh, situation.
3: Uh, I also have the mountain in stones if you need to know its weight. Really? That's um, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't oh, know. I was going to say, I, the height I can imagine measuring, but...
0: The weight.
3: (laughs) I I have some British descendants, so, you know. (laughs) Who weighed the first mountain?
0: (laughs) Locked in? All right. Tom, what do you have?
3: The first estimate on the first day that is not official is 930.
2: I have 930 feet.
1: I locked in a number, so I will not change it. I had 980, but I think I might be wrong. I think that's what the gentleman wanted to change his bet to. But my answer is 980.
0: All right, points to Tom and Steve again. Yes, 930. So I want to talk about the mountain, which I felt like was a character in this movie. You mean the hill? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Fanangaro. And and I just love how it's always looming. You get so many shots through windows. it's, Mm -hmm. It's as if you could almost see it from anywhere you were in the community it was part of the community it was the community
3: it's the guard against outsiders right it, it is the presentation of the community and also the border of wales from you know from england the thing they think of as the other right the the external um, and the community exists by virtue of the rules of the community which require borders which require the designation of other even if it's a a kind designation um, and in terms, of, I, I'm trying to bring this, or uh, trying to think of your your hypothesis, KJ, about fairy tales, right? And how the the mountain kind of speaks to that. And it's it's interesting. the The most fantastical element, um, or maybe the only fantastical element in the movie, is at the end when we hear the Reverend speak, his body speak, right? This kind of a voice from the grave, um, and you know the, the the kind of the fairy tale tends to, if you think of like the Grimm's brothers and those types of fairy tales, which come from these very small German principalities and, and German and German Stats in and, and different places, um, th- they tend to affirm the virtues of that, that community, right? You no, know, they tend to um, give a little more definition, a little more narrative. And I think the, the reverend being buried on top of the mountain that he built, right? He built it for the community, and he builds it on top. And then, once it begins to sink, once the community allows it to sink, right? It starts to be pulled away from God Himself. The the kind of the voice from beyond the grave comes out and tells them to build it again. You know, build it back up. Um, and I think that that's sort of the the fairy tale element is it's uh, you know uh, uh, maintain this community. Right. This is the this is the virtue that you maintain this community.
2: There's something very interesting about the hill or the mountain. There's the dancing around, not calling it a mountain. Anton says, "hill" in the in the smallest of voices when he says hill, <laughs> mm-hmm. or he's also when he's 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 talking to Morgan the goat says of uh, this elevation, your, your <laughs> or your affection <laughs> <to> it, dancing <laughs> around it. But if you remember in the beginning of the film, when they go to that window and the sergeant and Morgan the goat, they look out that window at the hill like it's a family member, like it's this is what defines us. And it is defection that, you know, he mentions it later and Anson does. Um, They have a love for this hill. And it also, I think, represents something permanent. So their homes are very small. Their gardens are very small. They've been um, decimated by the war and all, but nothing has ruined this mountain. And it has, they even mention it explicitly later saying that whenever they were invaded by the Saxons Mm -hmm. and the Normans, this is where, this was the beginning of their safe zone because once they got up there, the mountains and the rain is what kept all their defeaters Mm -hmm. from, from going there. And I mention that because of the way they look out the window. They both look out the window like they're looking at a child's photo and say, Fenengaru. Mm-hmm. You know, and and when he says, what? <laughs> because of the Welsh printout, he says, oh, I'll write it down for you. Like they're very, very proud of it. So I, that is, I, I would agree that it's, it's a, as if it's a character in the movie. I think that's a great observation. So when we look at it, the
1: elevation, as it were, <laughs> is a member of the community. In fact, it is symbolic of the whole community. This community doesn't have much, but the one thing they have is this, in their mind, mountain. And that's what really ties them together. Mm -hmm. It's also their history, and they want it to be their legacy. They are the border between Wales and England. So it's not just from the other invaders. It was even from within Okay, so there's some pride in that and they do not see themselves as inferior. But that is kind of a landmark that drives the whole community together. So there's more to it than just a lot of dirt.
0: After round one, Tom and Steve are tied at two. Nick will uh, hopefully get some points next round. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's time for Guess that song Lilting Edition I'll Lilt a song and you guess what it is Here we go day <laughs> If you little, head, shoulders, knees, day, toes... day, Hail You're right.
1: And we're back. We're at that critical point of the episode where we asked the guest a key question. Steve, if you could watch this movie with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be?
2: I think, um, you know, after watching this again, that I'd actually like to, and and he passed, I'd like the actor who played the Reverend Jones. I'd like that. Adorable old man to sit in and and ask him about his thoughts about the movie and about uh, what it represented and and other things.
1: That actor's name is Kenneth Griffith.
2: Kenneth Griffith, right? He was in four weddings and a funeral also, and had a mm-hmm. very small part, but had a hilarious line also with um, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant says something to him in as idle chit chat, and. And uh, he says, "Don't be ridiculous. He died years ago." And they have this very funny exchange in four weddings and a funeral. That's the only other thing I've seen him in.
1: His character name was Mad Old Man <laughs> yeah. at wedding one. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous.
0: You guys see uh, Waking of Ned Divine? Have you guys seen? Yes. That? It's it's also got a bunch of old uh, Irish in this in this case. But Steve, that would be hilarious to have a room full of these older actors and have them all commenting on the movie or making the jokes or yes that would yes
2: be- and and comment on the, the tell the cultural stories because you know there's a ton of them and how funny they would oh be. yeah 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 mm-hmm.
0: yeah and disagree with each other no no no, no that's right, not how it right
2: it's actually part of what I enjoy um, of um, Kenneth Griffith's performance in this movie is This being very godly, you know, being an old fashioned um, reverend, but at the same time having this anger, um, particularly with Morgan the goat, but but almost funnier with Davies, the school getting mad at the teacher for not, you know, um, and being so passionate. um, His ability to go from that. And, you know, when he gives that heartfelt uh, speech about who's died for the war and everything he's on he's in tears when he tells that but he could turn on a time right after that heartfelt performance and walk out and put his finger right in in morgan's face and say but don't for a second think you can sell alcohol on the the sabbath and that was one thing that actor was able to really do was go from this sweet old man to this curmudgeon you know this volcanic Mm -hmm. curmudgeon and uh, i think that brought a lot to the movie
0: It's time for question three. What does the Reverend answer to Thomas Tope's question about who measured the first hill?
3: Locked in.
2: Locked in.
0: Locked in. Nick, what do you have? God.
3: Tom? The same thing. God.
2: God, my boy.
3: (laughs) Yep. Yep. Points
0: for everybody, and and we've kind of been talking about this, but the reverend versus the goat—that was such a great uh, competition. It wasn't even a competition. I don't even know what you call it. It it was an ingrained you like know, rivalry, almost. Yeah, like rivalry. rivalry. Yeah. yeah.
1: hmm
3: hmm It's a, it's an internal disagreement, right? We have external and internal disagreement, and internal disagreements are are they have a shared understanding of the rules. Um, but they're still going to fight it out, right? If you think of chess, a game of chess, it's two people fighting it out, but they don't disagree about what a pawn does, right? You know, pawns don't scale the board, um, you know? And it's the same thing there, where there's still an agreement that this community needs this mountain as mountain. um, And, you know, or, or what this community needs is going to be very different. It needs the bar, it needs the church. The church doesn't think, the community needs the bar. The bar doesn't think the community needs the church. Whatever. Um, you know, they, they can kind of work that out. And what ends up happening is the, the kind of loveliness of the movie is I thought Jones was going to be a bad guy. And he, and he wasn't. He was one of the, the heroes. And that they actually can see the sort of the, the, the most virtuous people in this town are Jones and the goat. And Jones, at the end, acknowledges that because as he's dying, he says, you know, come here. I know you can carry out my wishes because the, the kind of virtues that we value, it has emerged from from this conflict. And I, I could see you embody that virtue. A scene, I felt really embody this, which was um, it went in a direction I didn't expect was the initial meeting after the, the mountain is discovered to be a hill. And they they have a meeting. They go go to the church and they're or the town hall and they're you know discussing discussing it. And you know the reverend wants to put forth a petition saying let's cha- let's argue for its placement, Finangaro's placement on the map as a mountain. And the goat responds, um, "No, we have to build it. Right? We have to we have to make it larger." And then um, the, the the young man who uh, was in World War One who hasn't been speaking kind of says, "We we." We build trenches that were ten miles long. We can do this, and what you see there is the the kind of um, town hall democratic system that really embodies the community as community making a decision. And you and though Jones doesn't get his way, right, his solution is one is not the one that's promoted. The solution of the community is one he accepts and and uh, embraces wholeheartedly. He is still, you know, it's still another communitarian type observation, right? He doesn't, when he sits down and, and kind of sinks his head, he doesn't become the curmudgeon who's, who opposes this, right? Which I thought was going to happen. I thought it was going to be the bad guy. But no, it's like the community has spoken. And this is our system of dealing with this stuff. They have spoken. This is what we're doing.
1: I just wanted to uh, insert that the character's name was Johnny Shellshocked. Uh, although his last name was Jones. So I wonder if he's related to the refrain. Blod's last name is well, also Jones. Every
3: in the beginning, you learn that everybody <laughs> is Williams, Jones, or Evans, that's right. and so they have to right. a- a- amend. <laughs> they have yes, to amend it. True. It's right. Williams, yes, Jones, true. or Evans, and so we have Evans the butcher and Evans the end of the world. Yes.
1: Well, now we got Johnny Shellshock. <laughs> yeah.
2: What I what I really liked about that play between the two is that, and he even mentions it in one of his, his sermons. Really Morgan, the goat represents the significant part of what's wrong with the world to the Reverend, especially in the beginning of the movie. He looks out at the congregation and sees all these ginger babies the implication (laughs) without them coming out and saying it is that Morgan, the goat has fathered a lot of these babies because the men did not come back from war. So you imagine every week, Reverend Jones is kind of seeing those babies and of course, you're led to believe that very, very few people do not go to chapel. It's like an unusual thing for you not to go to chapel if you live in that town, but Morgan, the goat never goes, never goes to chapel. So there's all this, they are two different worlds. And, and, um, and then, but this outside force brings them together and reluctantly, slowly as they come together and that town meeting is the, that you, Tom just talked about is the pivotal moment when that, when that happens. And, um, um, but watching that, and then for that all to come together when he's on, on his deathbed, that he, Morgan the Goat's the one he wants to talk to because he knows he can do it. But that interplay is wonderful throughout the. And even when he finally makes it to go to chapel that Sunday, um, that wonderful scene where he he basically Morgan the Goat goes to the church. To convince Reverend Jones to let everyone out of chapel so they can work on the mountain, and he's like, "No, we're having," and he's, he's trying to convince him, and he then goes and shows up, but he's got that <laughs> shirt that doesn't fit, and no one will let him in their row, and he goes, but it all you know comes together, and then the that's a real fairy tale moment. The big fairy tale moment for me is that this is almost all coming together. And you're led to believe that maybe he won't let them work on a Sunday and that it won't happen. And then even with the, the uh, like a light on the Bible, he sees that passage <laughs> about the Holy yeah. Hill. That's the fairy tale. Mm-hmm. That's divine intervention there. That's to me the big fairy tale moment. And the look on Reverend Jones's face when he walks in, he, he's walking in with the Bible. He's got a smile this big, like it's all coming together.
0: How big was <laughs> yeah, right. he? Uh, the other big fairy tale <laughs> moment was at the town hall when Johnny Shellshock speaks, right? Because he's he he speaks very rarely, or maybe yes. not at all, before that, and it's almost a micro miracle that he spoke, and then that was the solution, right? That's another kind of fantastical thing that happens.
3: Yeah, and if if we're moving into you know kind of fairy tale territory, um, I, I think talking or telling or or narrating is central to the fair, that, that to me is the most fairy tale-esque moment is the fact that we have this frame narrative, um, which then is also not only a frame narrative, but it's a frame narrative that transmits to the next generation. And fairy tales are things that are re- repeated over and over again. Through the generations, look at Disney, right? Disney has made its living off repeating the fairy tales of of Prussia, basically. Um, you know, and, and now they're they're doing Marvel movies. Uh, but you know, I guess we have our own fairy tales. Um, but that that is the for me the the fairy tale the most fairy tale thing is the fact that we tell these stories. Right. That that, that we are, these are stories that we tell to explain the world in which we live. Did this stuff really happen? Eh. I don't know, Finangaro isn't actually a real place, right? <laughs> you know, this is, this is made up for the movie itself. Um, and, and the movie is talked about in the frame narrative. At the end, they go, just before this movie was, was completed, the, the, the hill, the mountain was remeasured, and we learned it was 997 feet, you know, and then the, the old folks signal the, the young folks to bring up the dirt. Um, so even the movie itself, becomes, the, the fact of the movie, the materiality of the movie becomes a contributor to the fairy tale. It becomes a retelling of this story, which explains the fantastical place of Finnet but also explains maybe well.
2: That's a really good point. You could almost see the page turning with the words on one side, like the point at the end. I mean, normally having things narrated like that in, in absent of the fairy tale text would be annoying. But that part where they say, "But fate would have one more," and they lead right into Reverend Jones. But I mean, normally, uh-huh, you're, why uh-huh. are you narrating? Why is this? But it, that really added to what, yeah, to what you just said.
1: I read that this is based on something that does exist because there actually is a burial mound on top of. It's this elevation and you actually can't go up there because it's based on like some historical artifact kind of so there is some place that this was based off of
3: yeah it's it's based on a, it's not a real place like the the story isn't real it's i mean somebody no not that the story,
1: story is real the story is not well the story is it's fiction okay but i think there is a mountain that this is
3: based off of yeah but there's no finnit garo there's like a mountain they filmed on and there's ideas but there's not
1: Yeah, it says, I was reading something Mm -hmm. it said, uh, uh, it was based after uh, Christopher Monger's story from his grandfather about Mm -hmm. the real village of Taftwell Mm -hmm. in the county of Glen Glen Morgan and its
2: neighboring Garth Hill. Right, I think the story is about Garth Hill, but Garth Hill's not where this was filmed. So it's kind of a mixture of... Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and they're also...
3: Yeah, they're also... I, I don't know if this really... Ha- you know, this didn't happen. And
1: No, the story is false. Yeah. All I'm trying to say is and there is a, a mountain mm-hmm. called Garth Mountain um, that actually does have that mound on top of mm-hmm. it where they filmed those scenes, and that goes back to a Bronze Age burial mound. That's all I was yeah. trying to say. There, you know, The actual it's, elevation yeah. does exist, y- and there is some stories mm-hmm. around it that mm-hmm. were modified into this story.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's how... F- there's kind of that's how fairy tales work too, right? They they take pick pieces of culture and they contextualize them within a the narrative, and that's that's the important thing about about narrative and this type of thing as well, right? Narrative explains the world regardless of its facticity. Facticity is actually sort of not really relevant, right? It's how does the narrative explain our world and explain our virtues? It's time for question four. Going into the final
0: question, Nick has two points. Tom and Steve have four, so it's still anybody's game. This final question we're gonna do as um, a point for each thing you can think of, as dangerous as this has been on previous episodes. Um, So uh, feel free to write this down, guys, however you wanna do this. But the question is, what do the Welsh use to prevent the English from leaving?
3: Oh, boy.
1: Locked in. Well, I'll stop overthinking then. I'll just say locked in.
3: Yeah, locked in. All
1: right, Steve, what do you have?
2: Okay, I have uh, sugar in the gas tank of the car. Um, Two pounds. It's rationed. Um, <laughs> punctured tires from the good Reverend Jones. I have the... Breaking of the part that he called the Garu, which by the way, in Welsh evidently means thingamabob, but it doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. Also faking that there were no trains, making the station master say there was no trains. And there was two things with the trains. One, that there were no trains. And then after the revelation that there were trains claiming that there was flooding on the line. And so that was another thing they couldn't leave on the train. Um, and is that all I have? I, I I think waiting for the part is connected with breaking the Bethengaru, mm-hmm. So that really should be one <laughs> and not two. Yeah. yeah. And um, I don't know if they were paused. Oh, I mean, they didn't make it rain, but when it rained and... Um, giving Garrett a lot of gin and him getting completely plastered. I don't know if that was holding them there or he was just drinking while they were delayed. Um, I'm not the judge, but I would think that was his own doing because he asked for
1: the
0: He asked for the gin.
2: (laughs) Um, So that's all I have.
0: All right. So um, I'm going to go with five, which is the sugar, the tires, the bath and Garu, um, and then lying about the trains and lying about the trains. Uh, Nick, what do you have?
1: I have a different five. Well, I have most of his same five, but I have something that's different. The car with the sugar in the engine, the car with the tire. I missed the broken piece, so I don't know if you're counting that as separate or part of the whole car situation. I have the train-only coal cars. The train left yesterday going north, so you missed it. And then Lady Elizabeth. Morgan the goat requests Lady Elizabeth to come back to keep them entertained so that they won't be in a rush to leave.
0: All right. I'll give you five for that. Sugar, tire, train, train, and Lady Elizabeth. Tom, what do you have?
3: Um, I'm going to try and read my handwriting. So <laughs> good luck folks. Uh, Negative two. <laughs> yeah. So I start with the two pounds of sugar in the car. Um, and then after that, the tires being flattened by the reverend the, the knife and the tire. Um, after that, the uh, I, I had it uh, th- uh, thingitbith, which was like the, the piece in the car that they said they needed to replace. Which I thought meant um, thingamabob from a car. I think "gar" meant car, but maybe it just means thing of a thingamabob. Um, so there's
1: it's okay i saw something else they called it a watch him call it but it's whatever
3: it's 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 much Up to translation (laughs) fair fair, fair, fair enough um at which point they offer him a drink they offer uh the older british man a drink which looked intentional to me so i'm gonna gonna put that then the train not being there um and then he goes good god man i just heard it and he says it's a coal car when he comes in later that's he says the same thing like it's it's going north um, and there's no trains today on Sunday. So the second time it's he he clarifies what he meant and he says there is just no trains on Sunday. So I think that's the same thing. Um, then there is Lady Elizabeth rain in the car. Now that's iffy because they take the tarp off the car to cover the mound to prevent it from from melting away in the rain. However, that does seem to delay them. And I was on the edge if that was that was intentional or not. And I think that is everything. Um, not to be the judge, but I think
1: we each got five, but they weren't the same five, unless KJ counted I, something That I
3: think we all got each one at least twice. So two people at least got each one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but if you both got each twice and then he got one once, I'm not sure how that adds up if we... All. I, I think
3: it's I, yeah. I just kept talking so i think i
0: had more <laughs> all right tom i'm gonna give you six points sugar tire <laughs> the bath and Ru, uh train train and lady elizabeth which makes tom the winner What's
1: his six what's his six
0: sugar tire the bath and Ru, train train lady elizabeth yeah i was
3: gonna say i don't i, I didn't mean the train is two i was just explaining how the i because do, I, I don't think it's two train things there is can, two train I can do
0: that, things. but then it's four, then everybody else gets four. No, I can't there's the train two
3: train things because they go else. back twice to the train. They they go back twice, but it's the same delay tactic, right? They, Either no. way, then it's a different excuse.
2: Was, one was one, one was well, actually, one of them was a little bit of a subtle thing. We said, Yeah, we have trains, but they're only going north. And they're like, Well, that's where we wanted to go. And he's like, Well, I assumed you wanted to go east. There's east. no trains going east. Yeah, anywhere. no, I know that, but isn't and that part like, of why? the same dupe? But right, the first two well, no, it's the second, second train yeah. flooding on no, the lines. He goes either way. He's trying to yeah. say
1: okay. that it doesn't matter because we all said it. I still don't know okay. how Tom yeah. got six, though, because mm-hmm. there. I don't.
0: uh So Tom got six points. Sugar, Tyre, The Bath and Roo, Train, Train, and Lady Elizabeth, making Tom our winner tonight.
1: Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> I think the mountain made it rain because it wanted to be completed. So it forced them to stay in the location until it could be done. Mountains actually do affect um, clouds and rain and all that on a on a serious note. So I think that's a serious weather-related
2: note. Yes. (laughs) This just in. I enjoyed the way everyone pulled together and lied when they had to. When he said, Well, um, all right, the car is shot and the by the way, I cannot say Cardiff anymore without saying Cardiff when he says how far it'd be like us. Well, we got to get it from New York. It's like a piston. We have to get it from New York. And uh, Cardiff. Then he says, What about like anything else? Like a horse-drawn car, like anything. And he's like, Well, no, they're all being used. And he stopped. And he says, What? Or the war—that <laughs> <laughs> was a good save. Yeah, yeah. And the station master lying, and everyone like just all in it together. What was great about that,
1: Steve, is we don't see them coordinating that. It's just known, like everybody right. on there. It's not like uh, Morgan the goat went around. Okay, you're going to say this, and you're no. Everyone's just on board. It's just right. understood.
3: Right. Yeah, they they certainly do. They get trapped there, and it, it's interesting. I found the. The, the Hugh Grant plot line and Lady Elizabeth plot line to be sort of jammed in there. <laughs> yeah, a waste of time. It was, yeah. it
1: came late. It came, the, the love interest came over an hour into the movie.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And part yeah. of it around that.
3: Yeah, part of it they try and, and kind of shoehorn into the, what you're talking about KJ, the, the fairy tale thing or what I'm, I'm calling the, the narrative of place. Um, in the sense that uh, what happens when you go up on a mountain at through the night? You become a poet, you become a madman, you become um, very, very wise, or you become engaged. right? And so it, it is sort of positioned. And also, the story is the, the fairy tale is generated from apparently somebody in the town whose last name is the Englishman who, Englishman who came up, uh, uh, who went up a hill and came down a mountain, right? So the, the story is the, the fairy tale is explaining. It's a fairy tale of exp- explanation. It's how this place was founded, right? It's closer, probably, maybe to like um, the Aeneid, uh, and and the way that um, the English sort of use uh, um, Aeneas as sort of like the founding person of of London, or the founding person of England, or how we think of the uh, the twins Romulus and Ramos being the, the founding. Um, the founding children of Rome and if you ever go to Rome there's just um, wolves sucking babies throughout the throughout the city just statues of wolves you know with teats and and babies sucking on it because you know their founding myth which you know I'm sure didn't happen uh, is so so important to that and I think the the fairy tale of this is kind of like a founding fairy tale right it's it's how this place you know maybe not um, how this place survived, right, or, or maintained itself um, in the face of this kind of adversity. What's interesting or different about it from from your normal fairy tale is that there is a date, right? It's 1917. This is when this happens. Um, there's a modern condition. There's the war going on. Uh, Hugh Grant's character has just come back from Verdun, right? You know, which is, you know, as as detailed and as as uh, as documented as, as any battle up to that point. So there is this not only clash of worlds, the external world, the threatening world, the modern world and, and this traditional place, there's even this kind of clash in the way the story is being told. We don't really have a Romulus and Ramos story about the two brothers who then they grow up and they fight each other and, and Romulus wins and he, he establishes the, the kingdom of Rome because those stories are old enough that we can um, we can use distance to impose the fantastical well in this story it's the the fairy tale is butting up hitting up against the modern right and it, it 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 almost it's almost as if the modern threatens the fairy tale kind of world and in the end with the you know with the generation taking over the, the young person taking over the storytelling it's almost like he saves the the fairy tale from modernity itself
1: i would say the relationship between anson and betty is the strongest correlation to fairy tale because that's how things happen in these type fairy tales with relationships they meet they fall in love they kiss on top of a mountaintop and they come back engaged to be married. <laughs> like, it's just like, they speed through all that other stuff in fairy tales. So I think that's why they tried to squeeze this one in to support KJ's, I don't know, angle lens to look at this movie. But it did seem quite forced. I, I enjoyed the the flow of the rest of the movie. And that's why my word was cute. Because if I'm asked, I'd be like, oh, that was a cute movie. You know, Interesting. But that part um, seemed the most fantastical to me of all things because it seemed a little out of reality. You guys recognize her?
0: Betty? From any other popular, more modern shows? She looked familiar, but I couldn't place her. Game I of Thrones? Yeah, she's uh, uh, Stannis the Manus' wife. She's a Baratheon.
1: Oh, yes, 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 yes. She's the one who believes to actually convinces him to believe in the Lord of Light.
3: Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know <laughs> she, she won an award for playing Ophelia in the 90s it's time for
2: Movie rent. I was telling KJ I remember this period very clearly this was independent film is nothing new but it surged in the 90s people were getting bored with the studio films and it was so big that they were getting worried that the Academy Awards were completely full of these independent films all of a sudden. And I remember a number of these, and I really didn't realize how many Hugh Grant was in around this time, but he was in like three within one year. And um, it reminded me when I went to look at some of the the notes from the movie um, about that time, and these actors uh, were showing up in a lot of in a lot of things and some of them other independent movies that were being made over there. A lot of these actors and actresses were in.
0: Yeah. Cause the, the, when I saw this poster, um, I had assumed it was another rom-com he was in. So I don't know if the poster was made when they knew he was going to become a rom-com type star or, or how that worked. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised when you had recommended it, Steve, that it was not just a Hugh Grant, uh, rom-com and it no. was something different.
1: Yeah. When I was watching this I with my wife, I said, I think this is actually a dram-com. Because <laughs> like, I was like, it was like drama, romance, comedy. Because <laughs> oh, <like>, no. <laughs> there's not a lot of uh, you know, romance. They just kind of
2: tucked it in at the end there. Making the movie poster a little bit deceiving. Yeah.
3: Was he in Four Weddings by that point? I think Four Weddings was 94.
2: Yeah. And right after this was uh, Nine Months with Julianne Moore. Um, where, as I told KJ, um, I my personal opinion is Hugh Grant's funniest line he ever uttered, which is, she tells him she's pregnant, and he crashes his Porsche into a truck that's on the or crashes it into a ditch, and he says, "I thought we were using birth control," and she says, "Well, it's only ninety three percent effective," it says it on the box, to which he says, "Ah, so seven percent." bloody ineffective they should put that on the box (laughs) and he's getting into one of his british you know hissy fits um
1: he does a lot of twitching almost right like it's almost like
2: yes well the thing is they were surprised in four weddings and a funeral he had that people thought that hair was stylish when actually the the director and he intended that to look ridiculous they wanted him to look you know um out of sorts and ridiculous but then befuddled (laughs) befuddled yes but he was he was in i want to say five or six movies in like two and a half years that was his you know when he when he got very big but um but this movie was a little different it wasn't like Notting hill in 1917 it was it it, you know had that you know the characters and the different nature of it
1: I'd like to once again congratulate our winner of the week, which is none other than Tom. Congratulations.
3: Thank you. Hey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) On another note, check out our website, TalkingPicturesTrivia.com, for more information about us and our episodes. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts as well as our YouTube channel. We are extremely grateful for any positive reviews as those help others like you find us. If you like what you hear, remember to like and subscribe to our show. Do you think Finangaro should be classified as a hill or a mountain? And why? Let's continue the conversation on Twitter at Talking Studios. Have additional thoughts? Email us at talkingpictures at gmail.com or give us a call at 201-467-8679 for a chance to be featured on one of our future From the Listeners episodes. Thanks again, Steve, for joining us today. Where can people find you?
2: You may find me at your local pub.
3: And you can find me at Thomas Slayman. 15 on twitter and also i recorded a talking pictures trivia b-side on this film so that is a, a different podcast thread if you want to jump on there and hear me ramble on for 25 minutes about this film please do so
0: and you can find me on twitter at
1: kj10001000 i can also be found on twitter at the nicknamed Join us next time when we start our series on Best Picture Nominees and discuss Nick's, which is my recommendation, from 1993, The Fugitive. There's a lot that I could have chose from, but that's the one I chose. Should be a fun one. Talk to you then. Ding, 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 ding.
2: Can I interject one thing sure, real sure, quick? Sure. It might not matter. The name of the movie is The English Man Who Went Up the Hill. Not. The I keep
0: saying men, right? The English yes. Men. Yes. Yep. but that's what you would have written in the script. So oh.
1: there's a lot, lot of times right. KJ doesn't uh, read what he wrote.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, okay. I have trouble with the English man. I don't know why that it's I the Englishman, like that man over there is an Englishman. So, yep. I'm fine with it. I don't yeah, really yeah, care. Yeah. I'm just no.
2: making sure you knew that's I, all.
0: I'll get a text from KGAR, I guarantee
2: it. Well, no, actually, I'll share with you guys, and KJ will probably remember this, but um, my kids are older now, teenagers, and I have one, one, one son in college, but- I went through this period with having literal kids where I kind of didn't see grown-up movies for a while. But uh, so yeah. the fun thing was I'd be coming in seven years after a wonderful movie that everyone loved.
1: Oh, so this is good. And, <laughs> and <strolling, laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> so what I remember was coming in and going to lunch and saying to KJ and Kagar, Fight Club? And they're like... <laughs> <laughs> This, this, was like, like the memo. this was like eight years after it they came out like, Steve, one, huh? well done <laughs> yes we all know that it's a good movie Steve. i'm right up there with kj thinking that the end of raiders of the lost ark was the submarine, <laughs> see, submarine yeah growing is, up i'll never
0: forget <laughs> my mom always turned it off at the submarine he got the ark they're all done really go. yeah it wasn't until college or something i was like wow there's a lot more to this."
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's like my favorite part with all the face melting yeah. and the ghosts and all yeah. that like
0: mm-hmm. that was new to me uh, yeah <laughs> i it's funny you that did, you... why did you bring that
1: up on our raiders episode
0: i wasn't on it oh you weren't
1: <laughs> that was like the first episode you were in the mm-hmm. editing box uh yeah mm-hmm.